As you can see, I am not Josh Diggs. I am Larry Grant, one of the elders. And uh, it's my pleasure to be here to deliver a message that I hope will lift you up, make you better. And you, you will quickly note that I am not the polished speaker that Josh is. And, but just a few words about Josh since he's not here. (laughs) I think we are very fortunate to have him as our preacher. He is excellent. He loves the Lord. He loves this church. And he loves you. And we are blessed to have him. Uh, I had heard that Albert Coley was a good song leader, but I had no idea how good he is. And thank you, Albert, for leading us this morning. And uh, uh, Sean Alex may better get his uh, act together or <laughs> and since we have people like Albert. I want you to know that I'm qualified to bring you a message this morning because of a book I have at my house. That book tells me where I am from, why I am here, and where I am going. The book that I am referring to is the inspired Word of God, my Bible. And so I have access to very good information that can help you have a better year next year, I hope. Before we get into our scripture, I want to share some observations. It's my opinion that we live in very uncertain times. If there is anything certain, it's that everything costs more. Have you noticed that when you go to the grocery store? I'm sure you have. Uh, We have had to deal with covid for a number of years. And COVID is not through. It's not finished. It's not as bad as it used to be. But we're still dealing with COVID. And about once a month or so, I need, I have to make a large purchase. I have to buy a tank of gas. And uh, <laughs> as my gauge gets low, I think, well, should I wait a day or two? Maybe it'll come down. Should I buy it quick before it goes up? You know, and we are in uncertain times. If you look at the news, it doesn't look good. There's war here, there's war there, and the world is going crazy. But this morning, I want us to look at a scripture that talks about something that is certain. It's in Romans eight thirty-five through thirty-nine. Romans, by some scholars, has been described as the greatest book in the Bible. And chapter eight, by some scholars, has been described as the greatest chapter in Romans. So we have our scripture. It says, who shall separate us from the love of of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine 
or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death at all, all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, some, some translations use the word, I am certain that neither death nor life or angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any power nor heights, nor depths, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I could summarize these five verses, I could do it in three or four words. God loves you. Now, as I think of myself... I think sometimes I'm not very lovable. In fact, I can be kind of honorary. I can be set in my ways. I'm sure nobody else in here is that way, but I am that way. But in this scripture, it talks about God loves you. No matter how tall you are, how short you are, how old you are, how young you are, there were no qualifiers in this scripture. God made you and God loves you. What a blessing that is to know that God loves us. And this is certain. It's not something that goes and comes. It's not something that God holds out. If you're bad, I'll pull it back. It's there. God loves you. In fact, he loved you so much that he sent his son to this earth to die and shed his blood for you that your son, their sins may be taken away. God's love is certain, it is available, and we are blessed because of what God, that God loves us. I have sort of uh, put this scripture into three points. Can these things separate us from God's love was the question that this scripture is asking. And the first point is, Can hard times and disappointments separate us from God's love? If you haven't had hard times or difficulties, just wait a while. Because God has not promised us that everything will be smooth and perfect throughout our lives. Uh, There are those in this audience that have lost jobs. I have never lost a job or been laid off or fired, uh, I guess because I work for myself. (laughs) And I've never fired myself. But how devastating it is to lose a job. 
And you know the bills are going to keep coming. And you have children. And they like to eat every day. And your family needs income. How devastating. For some people, when you lose a job, it means that you're going to get a better job. Okay? And I have heard people tell me that it was such a blessing, but when I lost my job, I was devastated. But later I found out that it was indeed a blessing to have lost my job. Other times you go for months with no work and you're looking and you're struggling. And it is devastating to lose a job. Uh, There are many in this audience that have had health issues. And when the C word comes up, it's very devastating. The C word is cancer. And it is among us. I had to deal with that some 20 years ago. And I thought in my mind, I can't be having cancer. Other people have cancer, not me. You know, how could I have cancer? But I had prostate cancer, and I had to deal with it. And, and yes, health issues are, gives us hard times and disappointments. But for me, the hardest disappointment or the hardest or greatest difficulty is losing a loved one. And there are many in this audience this past year that have lost loved ones, and my heart goes out to you. I have also lost loved ones, not this year, but in years past. I talked with a lady about two weeks ago, and I said, how are you doing? And she says, I'm not doing well. And I said, well, what's, what's happening? What's going on? And she said, I buried my son a couple of months ago. I said, oh, I am so, so sorry. I can't imagine what it would be like to bury a child. As my mind thinks, I think I will die and my children will be here remaining. That's not the way it always works. But she said some more things to me that I found very, very encouraging. She said, even though I'm having pain and I'm hurting, I had him for 55 years, and that was a blessing. Plus, I got a daughter-in-law, and she is lovely, and she loves me, and I love her. Plus, I got two grandchildren, and what a blessing that has been to me. And even though she was hurting, she was trying to find the good that she had had, even though she had lost her son. I can't imagine what it would be like to lose a child. There may be others in here that have done that. I have not done that. And uh, uh, as we're kind of on this subject of health issues and, and things of that nature, I feel 
that I would be remiss if I did not say thank you to this congregation. Some of you may know that my wife had a bad fall about a month ago or so, and she messed her shoulder up and had to have a new shoulder replacement. We have had food brought to our house. We have had cards. We've had phone calls. The love that you have shown us has just been unbelievable. It tells me that indeed love is alive. God loves you, and because God loves you, guess what we do? We express love to each other, and all I can do is say thank you. Thank you for your kindness to us in this hard time that we have had. No matter what happens, no matter what hard times or disappointments, God's love is present for you. It doesn't go away. Point number two. Rulers, powers, and things in the future. During the time of Paul, there was just a natural conflict between the Roman government and Christians. And it talks about powers and things of that nature and tribulation and persecution. Caesar saw himself as God. He was God on this earth in his mind. For, but for a Christian, we know that there is one God or other Godhead. We sometimes refer to it as Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. And so Christians were persecuted for centuries. The things that were done to Christians were just horrendous. And we can't even imagine how bad it was. That did not mean that God did not love them. His love was constant and sure and always there. As we talk about rulers and and governments and things that cause disappointment and hardship, I think of Haiti. Uh, I had the privilege to go on a mission trip to Haiti, I don't know, a number of years back, 10, 15 years ago. And... Ah, it was a life-changing experience. I thought I knew what poor was, but Haiti is a poor, poor place. I could not comprehend how poor it was. And in many instances, you would look into the face of people and they had no smile. They had no sparkle. It was the face of hopelessness totally until we got to where there were Christians. And when we got to the places where there were Christians, and yes, they were poor too, but they had smiles. They had happiness. They had sparkle in their eye. Why was that? Because they knew that God loved them. And guess what? They had hope because of Jesus Christ. 
And I asked the question, why? Why is it that things are so bad in Haiti? And the answer I got back was that the government is very, very corrupt. The people in government are in government to enhance, enrich themselves. In many instances, money goes to Haiti to help with earthquakes and this and that and various problems. But the money never gets down to the people that need it because it is taken by those that are in power. And so, therefore, it remains a very broken. There's no chance of education. There's no employment. It is a hopeless place by and large, except for those that have Jesus Christ. They have his love. They have hope because of Jesus Christ. Okay, our last point. It talks about heights, depths, and other things in creation. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I was a very strange kid, but if I had difficulties or I had problems, I thought, well, if I can just get away from everything and just get out on a hilltop and not have to deal and talk with people, I'll be getting away from my problems. Not that I had that bad of problems. But, you know, when I had a problem, I thought it was pretty bad. You know, even though it wasn't really that bad. And, but it talks about heights. There's no heights you can go to to get away from God's love. As I think about this world, the highest point in this world, our world is Mount Everest. And I don't know if you've ever looked or thought about, but there's many people that go and climb to reach the summit on Mount Everest. Uh, It's some 2,600 feet high. There's almost no oxygen. It can be minus 50, minus 100 degrees. The wind can be 200 miles per hour. I can't imagine why people want to climb up there. But they do. They have a yearning to do that. And if you make it to the the top of Mount Everest, you do not leave God's love. God still loves you. You can't get high enough to separate yourself from God's love. I wonder if God looks down and he sees people that are doing that And I wonder if he just thinks, do they not know that there's nice weather down in the valley? (laughs) You know, why are they doing that? And it talks also about depths. I don't know how deep the ocean is. But back in June, you you may remember in the news, five people got in the little submarine to go down to look at the Titanic, what was the wreckage of the Titanic. You remember the Titanic was that boat that was unsinkable that sunk in 1912. And so they desired to go down on this little submarine, five people, almost two miles 
into the ocean. And all contact was lost with them. There was no radio contact, nothing. And basically it was discovered that the little submarine had imploded. The pressure of the ocean two miles down is tremendous. And so they were gone. I have no idea if they were Christians, if they were believers, if they even knew about God. But God's love did not leave them because they were two miles deep in the ocean. In other words, we cannot get away from God's love. God loves you. Um, You may say, but you just don't know the bad things I've done. If you just knew what I had done, what a terrible person I was, you would say, God wouldn't love you. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross and shed his blood that your sins would be taken away. As I look at the Old Testament and I think of sinners and people in the Bible, I think of David. I don't know if you remember all the story of David, but David saw a pretty woman and she became pregnant. However, she was married to somebody else and she became pregnant and that presented some problems. But David was going to take care of it. He was going to fix the situation. Her husband, who was off at war, David had her come back, had the husband come back and report on the war. And he set things up so that her husband was killed. He committed a murder because he knew he would not look very good. You know, when it was discovered that this woman was pregnant, not from her husband. Was David lost? Was he kicked away and put in hell? No, David repented. David came back to God. And God loved him because David wanted to eventually do the right thing. And... If you're a sinner, number one, all of us are sinners. It's not if you're a sinner. It's we're all sinners. I have sinned. I try to sometimes do everything correct, be the right person I can be, and I still mess up. Sometimes I'm talking when I should be quiet, and sometimes I'm not talking when I need to be talking. And so... We're all sinners, but those sins can be taken away. We have a saying here at Clear Creek. It's not where you've been, but it's where you're going. We're all sinners. God died for us. God loves you. He loves me. And so, hopefully, I've said some things that have pricked your thinking, and we can have a better next year than we have had this year, although this year has been great. Thank you for coming.
and God bless you. Let's all stand.